Welcome back to the Ghost Club Magazine Podcast. I'm your host, OJ. And in today's episode, Keithy has a nice, in-depth chat with the mighty, wonderful, legendary Devin Townsend. They do a track-by-track breakdown of his new record, Lighthouse, out next week on Inside Out Music. Right. Ghost Cult Magazine welcomes back Devin Townsend, the one and only. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm good. I'm on my second coffee. And, uh, you know, that's a great combination of things. Coffee and two. That's it. Indeed. And, uh, you know, lots of stuff to talk about. First and foremost, I hope you're well. It has been a while since we chatted. And uh, we had had Empath out at that time. And we're on the verge of... You know, pu- the puzzle and snuggles, which you had said, like, I can't really put it into words. But when you see the whole thing, you'll get it. And you were right, as always. Um, and so now we have Lightworker, which I know has been kind of in process for a while. And it's definitely, you know, the I would say the last few albums have been kind of a kitchen sink approach, of course. And, and you got to really, like, get your yayas out on all those collaborations and, and you know, people you always familiar partners and new ones and i think it was really invigorating and exciting for the fans a light worker is a completely different animal it definitely took a few listens for me to sit with it and really take it all in and and try to gather where you were going but kind of what was your process when you started this it's been a while you've been working on this for quite a while in the background kind of i mean it's like i didn't i didn't um expect to write either of these records i didn't expect to write light work i didn't expect to write the puzzle I expected after Empath that we would just continue with that as the tour, and then I would go into the Moth immediately and start going that direction. But I think for me, um, the way that I tend to write has always been the same. In that, uh, whatever's whatever's in my environment, I'm going to write about. It's just maybe not in my environment, but whatever's the state of my um, my head at that point is what I'm going to write about. And I had an interview earlier today and the guy said something that just struck me. He said, oh, so Empath is very different from light work and the puzzle. He says, why is that? And I'm like, well, because we had a fucking pandemic, man. You know, the world blew up. Of course it's different. And I think my reaction to those things were things that I didn't expect. Like, so puzzle is where I sort of offshored a lot of the chaos that was going on in my head. And, um, and then light work was a reaction to that. I just felt like to some degree, the things in my life were just so chaotic and so uh, ugly that uh, when I sat at the studio, I wanted to try and consciously make something that was not that, something that was a little straight ahead and um, and sort of bright feeling. And by doing that, I felt like it 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 helped me through it in a way. It's like I was able to sort of focus on the things in my life that I was grateful for rather than obsessing about the things that were problematic that I can't change. Well said. It definitely feels like uplifting music after a rough time and a very, yeah. you know, very a salve, you know, like a very a soothing thing. And uh, we, you once said to me something a while ago that was like the music you listen to is not music that wildly imposes on you. The music you make imposes on people. But when you listen to music, you don't want it to impose on you too much. And I feel like this Sometimes. is that record. So, so you listened to a couple of times. It wasn't your cup of tea, though. I take it. Eh? No, no, no. I love it. I just I, I wanted to kind of get where you were going. I think I'm always oh. up for it. I'm up for anything, Debbie. Yeah. So whatever you do, if you did something radically different next time, that's cool. I actually really love oh, the I record. I will. <laughs> Very different. I mean, it's you know. I think another thing that I've noticed 
after pandemic, even doing interviews again, I'm sure you've probably experienced this too. It's like, there's lots of things that we used to do that just seem to be sort of full of shit now in a weird way. You know, like, I think that there is a lot of room in the industry for, even though the, the music industry was going downhill, there was still room in it for this kind of larger than life thing that happens, you know? But I've noticed through the pandemic, I'm just watching actors and famous musicians that maybe had so much attention for so long, what the definition of a lighthouse is. And I guess in a sense, it's like it keeps these boats that are in these stormy seas from crashing on the shore. And so I view the lighthouse kind of like music and I'm one of the boats. I'm just trying not to crash into the shore, you know? About myself now is that I get asked these questions about my process. And on there's some aspects of it that I have answers for. There's some aspects that are like tangible that I can say, okay, it's a byproduct of my desire to to move forward and music acts is that, you know, and the inspiration was X and whatever. But when people say, why did you do a certain thing? And did you think it through consciously? I realized that, fuck, no, never, never. So everything's just kind of, I'm acting on, on, intuition to the best of my ability and even beyond intuition it's like music has always acted like a coping mechanism for me in a way so i'll write something i'll be like wow that makes me feel really good i don't know why i have no idea why but it makes me feel good so i want more of that and so i just keep writing along that line as that's like my impetus to write it's like does it make me feel good and then by the end of it i think our subconscious kind of tailors things so that it says things that you're not aware of but I don't know you know what I'm saying like I just I just wrote light work because it was I got buddies killing themselves and my parents are like depressed and the world's going mad and fucking it's a million degrees in October you know what I mean it's like and I think that I think that for me I'm thinking when I started writing I the 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 songs that I ended up on light work were the ones that whilst writing it i was thinking yeah that's what i want to hear right now that's what i want to hear right now and specifically after the puzzle where i'm i also somebody showed me a review of the puzzle where they're trying to review it like 12 second long pieces right they're like this song's a little strange i was like well it's not necessarily a song i just i just did it because it seemed during the formative stages of the pandemic that was the sound that seemed most appropriate to me. And then towards the end, light work seemed most appropriate to me because I just was so sick of waking up every day being afraid. You know, and it's in the beginning as well, we're all locked in and all we have is social media. And the thing that really engages clicks on social media is for everybody to be angry at each other and everything to be divisive and everything to be fearful. And after a while, I'm like, fuck, man, I'm just not feeling that. I just want to, I just want to pull back a bit and make something that allows me to cool down for a few minutes before I started up again. And I think that's what light work is, man. It's just an opportunity for me to stand back and take a, a drink of lemonade or something before getting back into it. Nice. Thanks for sharing all that. Like I said, it is like a bomb. I, I really do appreciate the record. And I, I'm sorry for your losses. We've had some losses here at Ghost Cult this year with the staff and uh, friends mm -hmm. of ours in the business and artists we cared about. And uh, 
you know, it's always hard and, and just it's going to keep getting harder. But uh, we're going to keep trying to fight our way through and music is a relief and I'm glad for it. One thing I do want to add, it's funny that you mentioned actors. I do feel kind of like, you know, sometimes the journey for the artist is, you know, they're all for you. It's like being an actor. This is something I thought about in the last couple of days. It's like being a musician and any kind of artist is similar to like when you're an actor making a film and you make one take, you make all the takes are really for you. But sometimes the director will say, do one, do one my way and then do one for yourself. And your whole career has kind of like been like that where, I think luckily your fans have, you know, kind of, especially this last like 15 years as a, you know, when you sort of, you know, done this, you know, from Devin Townsend Project or Devin Townsend sure. Solo and now just under your own moniker. Sure. Uh, I think about like the last 10 years since Epic Loud actually, which I love still and listened to the other day. Uh, still great to me. I love that record. And there's moments on this record that remind me of some of that stuff, like back where I belong and stuff where we belong. Yeah, just funny to me. Like I know that you know some some of these records have come out kind of you know under your own you know not 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 heavily you know you put them out and you see what you think fans and you put them out for yourself as much as anyone else. But I think it's interesting that you know this is an inside out music and the label is very brave and they will put out anything by their artists. I think they're pretty good with their artists in terms of support so hopefully that's been the case here they'll let it you is. just do whatever <laughs> yeah i think that the 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 thing that sort of ties it all together for me as far as i can tell is that i'm fortunate to have an audience that almost the foundation for for the criteria is did it mean something to me right like is it authentic to me and if it is uh, I think that the audience can tell, which is the reason why if I did Casualties of Cool or Ziltoid or Lightwork or Epic Cloud or anything, it's because that's what I felt like doing. It almost seems like that's the underlying, that's the underlining criteria for both Sony, Inside Out, and the audience. And so my job really comes down to trying to see how full of it I am during any particular writing process, because I think it's easy to to deceive yourself to go down avenues thinking oh this is where i'm at and then in hindsight saying well that's maybe not where you were maybe that's where you thought you were maybe that's what you thought you should have put across and the audience tends to have a very um (laughs) a very uh accurate bullshit meter and i think a lot of times the audience isn't given enough credit either sometimes i'll be working with other bands or other labels and they're just like ah we'll just put out no one cares the audience doesn't care I'm like, man, I don't know about that. I think that anything that elicits an emotional reaction from somebody, they're going to care about. So you gotta, you gotta not only be careful that you're you're not full of it on your own side, but you also have to go one step further and and I believe be brave enough to say, this means something to me right now. Like this means something to me right now. It may not be what people want necessarily, but it means something to me right now, and it has helped me in a lot of ways to do this and. So I put these things out, hoping that that criteria remains and people say, okay, because it's what you wanted to do, it's acceptable. Right. And I think your fans know that you have a, you know, you also have an awareness, a self-awareness and a care. You care about what you put out there, totally. you know, you, it matters what comes out of, you know, what, whatever people are ready for or not, that's on them. But like, I think you, people... Yep come to expect that you know you care very deeply these records mean a lot to you you work a long time on these things they do I, somebody described it the other day that's like you go to a restaurant that has seasonal dishes you know it's like now we have this because it's in season and we we can't 
give you this anymore because it's out of season, right? And I think that that's that's a way that I can view this that makes sense to me. And in season at this point, um, after puzzle was such a profoundly negative period. And I mean, the amount of people in my peer group and and uh, and sort of colleagues of mine that are putting out incredibly angry music too is so much that I'm thinking, okay, well, that's covered. <laughs> you know, if you want that, you're covered. You've got 10 releases this week that are raging. And for me, I just, I felt like that's not what I'm bringing to the table. I like, I, uh, I hit a wall somewhere during the pandemic where I, I thought I got to take care of myself here. I got to take care of my, my fear and my mental health and my, um, ability to move forward and to be grateful for the things that I do have. And by focusing on that, I found not like the anger and the fear went away, but what I bring to the table is a different aspect of that experience, right? That resonates very much with myself and I'm not very good at self-care. It's a constant battle, but I appreciate you very much for sharing that. Such a battle. I'm such a workaholic and a maniac and I cannot stop. And it's when I'm forced to stop, it's because I have no choice and it's a bad, it's not a good cycle, but I'm going to be okay. It stops you for you though. Sometimes doesn't it? I, uh, I went out, I was mowing the lawn the other day and I was listening to a bunch of new releases. You know, I listened to new Lamb of God and, and, uh, um, shine down and a bunch of things. And it's, so some good moments of inspiration with everybody, but it's so fucking intense, man. And there's just a part of me that's like, not that I don't relate because I do, but I also feel exhausted. And so my reaction to it was not that I just felt like what I needed to do for myself was focus on the things in my life so that when I move forward, uh, I can deal with the, the realities of like the social media world that we live in without it just being this constant like state of psychological dread right and so that's what i did and and the the outcome of that was was light work and and that's even why with the like the lighthouse on the cover and everything for me it's i always think back to what the definition of a lighthouse is and i guess in a sense it's like it keeps these boats that are in these stormy seas from crashing on the shore and so i view the lighthouse kind of like music and I'm one of the boats. I'm just trying not to crash into the shore, you know? And I think it's it's been something that when I finally finished it and I finally sat back and listened to it, I thought, okay, so it doesn't fit in anywhere, specifically with where the scene is right now, but it's right for me. It's what I needed to say. Who knows what the future holds, but for this moment, that's what I needed to do. Awesome. Thank you for that also. And uh, I used to live in New England, so lighthouses were a part of my uh, routine. Yeah, man. And, uh, and grabs. good times, good times in Massachusetts. My, my love to my mass in New Hampshire and Maine people, uh, in Rhode Island. Uh, let's yeah. do a, um, a quick track by track and whatever you feel like sharing about each one is fine with me and, and our fans. We'd love to just hear sure. from you. Um, yeah, sure. the album of course kicks off with moon people. I gotta, this is interesting because the way that I write lyrics is, um, really based on intuition like it's i rarely do i have like a theme that i stick to i just it's it sort of gradually massages itself into shape so it ought to be interesting to talk about these because i've never thought about it so let's see what happens 
Moon People, I think, is a mission statement for the record. Because I worked uh, with a producer on this record as well, a co-producer, there is a certain amount of stepping out of my comfort zone that was necessary for me to make that leap. And, uh, you know, the first lyrics of the record are Ode to the Unknown. And I think in a lot of ways, uh, it's like looking forward into what's going to happen in the future, but you can't be afraid to like move forward. I think the tendency is to just turtle up and protect yourself. And, and I think that in order to make any progress, you've got to face the fears in a lot of ways. And those fears are very often not this, not what you expected them to be. Moon people as a term, I think refers to people who are more introverted. I think whenever I went, went on social media during the pandemic, there's number one, there's so much division and so much of that is like by design to some degree. And it seems like you are almost required to make these statements into the void, you know, whether or not it's political, social, whatever. It's like you you're either with us or against us. It's like as black and white as that. But it's such a nuanced world, man. It's like there's no a lot of these things it's not as you can't just it's not just black and white it's not just black and white and because i don't i'm not particularly clever in those ways and i don't read on it and i don't think about it i just i feel like my role is to just sort of watch it in a sense and the function of the work that i do is to try and give people a bit of an escape from that because i don't i don't know and i often be in like arguments with people and because i've got a really hard and fast opinion on something and then they bring up something i'd never thought about and then i'm stumped i'm like oh that's a good point i never thought of it that way and i like to be wrong i look to be wrong because it's like i i mean the whole process of being a person is is to evolve and therefore so many things are fluid and so moon people is like the opposite of the sun i guess where the sun people would be the people that are like always out there, always gregarious, you know, here's the opinions, here's all this stuff. And then there's a whole other faction of people that are just like, yeah, but it seems like, seems too complex, not even too complex, but more complex than I've got the information for. And so that's what moon people's about, I think. And as a mission statement for the record, it's like, I know that I want to do something that's, sort of hopeful in a time where it seems like maybe what would be a more strategic move from someone coming from a metal background is to make a brutal record about how everything's going to shit. But I chose not to do that. And that was frightening. So that's how it starts with Moon People. Good stuff there. The title track is next, Lightworker. I was in my early 20s. I read a book by uh, Richard Alpert named Be Here Now. And he ended up uh, going on to like he was a spiritual teacher, I guess, and called himself Ram Das. And he died over the past couple of years. And that book was really important to me when I was younger. I really liked it. And I always followed like, you know, not all of it, but I liked his speeches and 
like that whole lineage of you know Alan Watts and all that. And then when when he died, Netflix put up a special called Going Home that was about him because he'd had a stroke and all this. And I remember just thinking, you know, he calls himself light worker and and there's a whole mindset based around that. And so I wrote a song about him after he died. And then I called up the Ram Dass, uh organization and I said, can we use a, a quote from from him in the song? And I guess, well, obviously they didn't know who I was. And so they went online and the first thing they saw was strapping, I guess. And I'm like, fuck you. And so they wrote back and they're they're like, no, we don't. That's not our trip. Right. And I was like, well, just listen to the song and listen to the lyrics. And and they didn't. They ended up really liking it. So Lightworker ended up being about Ram Dass and, and his his trip once he died. It was more like a dedicated to a dude that just had a confusing and interesting life, I guess. Right on, right on. Uh, Equinox is next. Remember in the beginning of the pandemic, I had some very suicidal friends, uh, some of which who killed themselves. And uh, the song was written from the point of view of, of somebody who's just fallen in love with somebody at the end of the world. So right when things are just, that's it, man, you know? And it, But it, they're just like, yeah, but I just sorted it out. I just figured it out. I just found someone I can love. And it's like, I finally figured out what my place and all this is. And now it's over. It doesn't make sense. And the, um, you know, the girl and is, is the guy's just saying, you know, it's okay. Just chill out. And she's just saying, I just want to die. Like, that's it. I just want to die. And then while she's saying that, he's just trying to say, oh, but we'll go on vacation. You know what I mean? It's like, I just want to follow the sun. I just want to. And then by the end of it, he's just like, fuck. Because <laughs> it's like I watched, and I'm sure you did as well. So many people in my life just disintegrate over the course of this. And some people just like went fucking crazy. And some people killed themselves. And some people just are so depressed to this day, right? And so the song was written just like Equinox is like, you know, when the sun is is at that sort of point in the sky where it's lower, I guess. I don't know what it means. But um, that's how I choose to think it means because that's you're following the sun as it's going down, right? I get yeah. that. and I get that entirely. I felt like we all had a global psychotic break and people came out of this much different than they went in. Um, and, yeah. you know, it can always happen again because that's the nature of the world. Well, um, I think we've also we're also coming out of a pretty entitled period, right, where we mm -hmm. haven't had to deal with this sort of thing. And so I think that the distractions that we've had as a society makes it such that when we're forced to confront who we are, a lot of people weren't prepared for that. They're like, in absence of the chaos, who am I? And some people are like, I'm nobody, right? Mm. And some people are like, oh, I'm nobody. That's great. Right. <laughs> right. And some people were like, it's the end of the world. Let's party. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, that's the typical yeah. reaction. Also, like, you know, the Titanic. I'm still going to dance while the Titanic sinks. Yeah, and I, maybe that's where I fall. Because I think to myself, like, just because things are seemingly on a collision course with something that's like inevitable for the species i don't want to stop feeling grateful for for where i'm at and and the people who are around me it just seems like that's the decision that i made i guess got it probably my favorite song on the record is call of the void the next track sure 
Oh, the void is uh, a phrase that I had heard years ago. Because I always wondered what it was, you know, when you're driving. We used to drive Hope Princeton Highway as kids go to Kelowna. And uh, you're three feet from the edge of the road. This is back years ago. And then it's just a cliff that goes down like hundreds and hundreds of meters, right? And there's a feeling that, that you get where you're just like, all I have to do is just go like this and I'd be off the fucking side. Or we were doing uh, construction around here and every time I use a table saw, you see the saw going. And I'm thinking, all you gotta do is put your hand on it. Or I had this buddy that is a really good friend of mine and and uh, but he was jacked. He was like this big dude. And I, as I was talking to him, good friend of mine talking about, and in my head, I'm thinking, man, it's like, just stick a fork in his, in his peck, you know? And so I looked it up, I was like, what are these intrusive thoughts? What is this? And a term for it was the call, call of the void, where it's like, come on, man, do it, do it. And so in the, in the scope of, of what this time represented to me and what this album represented to me, the call of the void is essentially that that tendency to say like fuck it like everything is so difficult that i give up i'm not going to try and i think maybe a part of why that becomes so tempting is i think there's this whole wellness industry that sells us the idea that as human beings if we're not happy all the time then there's a problem but that problem can be solved by this book or this lecture or whatever but the nature of being human i think is that you're both those things you know you're you've got the positive and the negative and what defines your moments is just what you choose between those two and if the call the void is saying hey dude self-destruct bring it nothing matters i like you like everybody fight that because there's some times where that's super alluring but i also feel that if it's not just you that's fighting it you have a lot better of a chance of overcoming these things. If you're surrounded by people that haven't given up, then it makes it a lot easier to make those hard decisions in those moments when the void is like, yeah, man. And so the chorus is, you know, when you see the world's insane, you know, the worst thing you can do is freak out. The worst thing you can do is freak out because your, your balance is lost at that point. And it's a tightrope as it is, man. So if you don't have balance, you're falling. So that's what that song is about. Mm-mm-mm. So good to know that it's not just me. For all these years, I thought it was just me. <laughs> was no, man. Something's wrong with me. Thought, if, you, if, you, if you search that, yeah, I mean, call the void is just a romantic <clears throat> term for it. But intrusive thoughts, intrusive thinking. A lot of times it comes from what I've heard from trauma. Mm. You know, like if you've been traumatized and it's like PTSD, like these thoughts come back in your head when it's, least appropriate like you know even it's like you have like a racist thought or a sexist thought and you're just thinking where's that that's not what i think this is but sometimes it even with people who are really self-conscious about saying something awful you have these thoughts of awful things it's like you know we all have we all do the mental rolodex right of like what you know Everybody. Certainly not just you. Man. Okay, yeah. Good to know. Thank you. That's real. That's really, honestly, truly a relief. <laughs> Heartbreaker is the next track. Heartbreaker was a song that was not supposed to be on the record. So, originally, this place in the record was populated by a song called "Honey Bunch," which is a really commercial song. Che had sang it. Lady friend of mine, 
And Nile Rodgers played guitar on it. The guy was on Michael Jackson and all this. And it was a really, like, commercial song. In fact, it freaked me out because I had people around me going, well, we make a video of this and it will be like a hit. And I'm thinking, I don't want a hit necessarily. I mean, I just want to keep doing what I do. So I was already kind of nervous about it. Not that I disliked it, but I just thought, I don't know, man. And at the last minute, very last minute, I got back from a three-month tour. The record had been done for three months. I got back from the tour. When the plane landed back in Vancouver, I opened up my phone and there was five emails from five different parts of my of my professional world. The label, the management, the it's a bunch of people, right? And they said, we can't get rights to the sample that you used on Honey Bunch. So you've got three days to replace that song with another song. I was like, I don't have another song. I've got Nightwork, which is like the bonus disc, but they're so far from being finished, mixed or anything. They're like, well, you have to, essentially, or else we have to delay the record even further. And it had been delayed two or three times. So I just went back and I opened up Nightwork, which is the bonus record. And I said, okay, the one song that I really like on this is Heartbreaker. But I had worked on an arrangement for it with Garth that I really didn't like. Because I think what, and in his defense, what he was trying to do is streamline some of the gobbledygook that I added in that song. He's like, dude, this goes to here and here. But then when I heard the the edited version, it I didn't like it. So I forgot about the song. I was like, yeah, now it doesn't work for me. So when I had to do that last song, I just went back and I said, you know what? Take the original arrangement, as weird as it is, mix it, you have three days, and add it. And so that's what happened. And what Heartbreaker is, I get, there's no real theme to Heartbreaker that the name doesn't adequately explain. You know, I mean, it's like talking to a girl, talking to a boy, whatever your, whatever your trip is. And the whole idea with it is like the protagonist is just all of a sudden in this emotional turmoil because he's infatuated with somebody and that's why it's like i'm not from here you know this doesn't make sense to me i don't know why i'm feeling this way and then um all the uh all the the drama that comes from relationships and i love that the one part in the middle where the guy's just like you promised me you'd be here through it all and she's like oh yeah please know your your loss is noted got it like zero emotion, right? And then later on in the song, you know, the lady's just like, I have powers that equal and surpass. And then when in the midsection, the guy's just like, this is so fucking stupid. One day I'll be on my own in front of the ocean. You can all fuck off. <laughs> yeah, and at the end, the, I thought this was funny at the end too with the, it's a friend of mine's daughter. I think she's 13. Uh, they live in New Jersey, actually. And uh, so I had them, I asked them to sing some things. And so Echo is her name. She's the young kid. I love that she, at the end, um, I don't mean to be petty, man, but I win. I love that. <laughs> so that was Heartbreaker. Yeah. It was kind of a weird addition to the record because it was completely un unscripted, but but I think it works. And in fact, it took a record that with Honey Bunch could have been like a really like awkwardly commercial record. And then I got to add that in there and it just made it weird, which 
I'm more comfortable with, to be honest. Right on. I always think of these albums also in terms of vinyl sides, because that's where my brain has always mm. been, even when vinyl wasn't a thing for a while. But I feel yeah. like Heartbreaker would be the very good way to end side one of a record. <laughs> yeah, it's true, isn't it? Yeah, I think it does, too. Yeah, I had a feeling. Yeah. Uh, I had no prior knowledge and I didn't ask, but uh, <laughs> shout out to Kevin, your publicist, but I did not ask. Uh, Dimensions is the, is the halfway uh, mark of the record, too, on the side. Uh, yeah. Too. Yeah. Dimensions, I think, I think Dimensions is probably about trying to reconcile uh, drugs in some way because it's easy to be fascinated by what they bring. And I got all these buddies that go on the ayahuasca retreats. And when we were kids, we messed around with psychedelics or dope or whatever. And when I was younger, the things that came from that seemed so profound, like just so monumentally of, of meaning. And they had effects on me when I was younger that are hard to overstate the importance of, right? But a lot of times with any things, it's not like you can just get the message and hang up the phone i think a lot of times people just they get so dependent on things for states of mind that they just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and at that point it becomes really toxic i think that when i was younger having a moment of of significance based on any of those kind of early experimentations that i did with drugs nothing hard but just you know like the psychedelic stuff we're really like, oh, wow, this is incredible. But there was a sense of like, now you have to learn to meditate. Now you have to like put that aside and do the work because you can't rely on that. Like the state that a lot of those things can, not always, lead people to is either psychosis in some cases, or you have a moment where you're like, oh, I had no idea. Oh, that's beautiful. I had no idea. But you can't rely on those things. And so, dimensions as a song is i think thinking back to those experiences and, and recognizing that although they were powerful when i was younger the path that i chose to go was to try and figure it out without drugs and that is interesting because you have to then reconcile your your fears and everything of all those things i don't know man it's a hard topic to eloquently summarize but basically like I'm the living detour, the ugly coming down. You know, it's like a detour to uh, realizing your own nature is just to keep drugs, 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 right? As opposed to, I still love that quote, man. Once you get the message, you got to hang up the phone. It's like, oh, okay, so how do we get this together, right? My body is, I take care of my body. I got to take care of my mind. I got to keep balance. It's like, because I think that the nature of the universe is just so uh incredible that it's it's worth uh being present for god i sound like a fucking hippie i'm sorry man it's quite all right and imagine people who have never done a drug in their life and they don't understand why anyone would and uh i've had to have those conversations also like i think that you know. that uh, that that can be really good i mean i i'm not a yeah. proponent of it at all yeah. i'm just saying that you got to deal with with what happened and for me, I had to deal with what happened to me when I was in my early 20s, and, and I did. And so I think Dimensions is about just figuring it out. You know, like, where are you in the scope of all these things now where you're, like, balanced? 
There you go. Uh, yeah. Celestial Signals is next. What the hell's that one about? Let me think. Oh, <laughs> that one must be about accountability, I would think. In that when you do things in your life that you know are not good for you, are not good for people around you, even if it's fun, <laughs> eventually it all just kind of compounds. And you just you say, why do I always feel awful? Why do I always feel like this weird darkness in my life and in my psychology and all this and conversely i found in my own experience and i can only speak from my own experience my intuition speaks to me quite loudly and i'm like when i'm about to do something i'm like is this the right thing for you to do i can convince myself oh yeah of course it's the right thing for me to do but on a more subtle level a lot of times i'm like dude you know that's not a good thing for you even though it's like sexed up by media or, or whatever, you know this affects you in a negative way. And then making choices, I found, that are in line with what I know is good for me, and everybody's different, of course. Things tend to sort of fall into place a lot more effortlessly. Even in times of profound chaos, it's like I think you accumulate the, the negativity of just constantly doing things self-destructively and then when you try and spend a little bit more time taking care of yourself and caring for yourself on a on a psychological level as well things kind of line up differently i'm not saying better or worse but differently and I think that's what it means in celestial signals it's like and when i say what's the universe telling me not in an esoteric way but like the fucking universe dude like when you look up at the sky it's like wow that is epic and this little speck of dust here that's me or you or whatever like i think that intuition comes from a lot of those um things that are larger than our own scope and i guess celestial signals refers to that i spent a lot of time just looking at the stars like i got a i got a chair that folds back and i can just look at the stars and it seems to sort things out significantly for me for me to recognize how insignificant i am while at the same time being a part of it so i guess that's what it's about all righty uh as we get to the last third of the album heavy burden is next i love that song man i love heavy burden because <laughs> i think it was you know we talked earlier about is it, i think it was you we were talking about being a seasonal cook like certain things are in season right I'm 50 years old now. The things that were in season to me when I was 25 are no longer in season. Yeah, there's a whole faction of people like you should make a record like City. Make a record like Ocean Machine. I'm like, yeah, but it's not in season, man. That season's over. So people are like, we like it when you're heavy. We like it when you're heavy. And I'm like, I'm good at doing heavy. But when I feel like it and when I don't feel like it, it's not heavy at all. It's just stupid. It's like it's like. How many times as a person in your industry have you listened to a record and you're just like, this guy doesn't believe what he's saying. He thinks that it should be heavy. So he's saying all heavy things, right? Like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And just like, you know, blast beats and all this stuff. And you're just thinking, maybe that's not what he should be doing. Maybe it's, and, and to me, when I hear that stuff, I don't think it's heavy. I just think it's like annoying. So for me, when I do something that's heavy, 
when I don't feel like being heavy, I just, it's like, it's like a mosquito just buzzing around. It doesn't, it's not brutal. It's just like irritating, but still people are like, no, no, just do it anyway. Just do it anyway. Make it heavy, heavy, heavy. So heavy burden. You'll hear I had I, like the Electra women's choir and a bunch of children and they're just going heavy, heavy. And I love that because it just seemed like <laughs> not a middle finger at all, but just like, oh, you want heavy? Okay, there's heavy. Oh, you didn't mean just the word. You meant, oh, okay, sorry, my mistake. But a heavy burden, I guess, is as a theme for the song is once you've realized things in your own life that are causing you to suffer by your own hand, once you see what it is, but you continue to do those things anyway, it's totally your prerogative. It's my prerogative too. But I feel that at that point, you kind of forfeit the ability to complain about it. And the heavy burden for me is like knowing the things that I should be doing. And it's like not easy, right? And I don't always do the things that I should be doing. I don't, in fact, a lot of the times I don't. And I can find all these creative rationalizations to not do them. Like, ah, it's Tuesday. <laughs> you know, it can be simple as that, right? But the heavy burden is like, man, you know what it is that you need to do. And it isn't easy. And so there's your burden, man. There it is. The penultimate track is Vacation. It's funny. I um, I also did an interview with a guy the other day, and he was trying to figure out the deeper meaning for relationship, right? Or for vacation. And like, but what does this song actually mean? Like, what are you alluding to? And I say, it's about going on vacation with my family. I got a young kid. I've been married for years. We went on a Disneyland cruise, and it was really nice. So I wrote a song about it. And that's what vacation's about. Straight to the <laughs> point. That's it. There you go. It's true, man. Sometimes yeah. it's just a rose is just a rose. And other times it's a whole other bunch of things. Yeah, um, man. And I think it's I think <clears throat> it's okay for it just to be a rose. Indeed, indeed. And then the final track is Children of God. It's an interesting one because the word is so loaded, man. And it's like, you know, I've again because I've been doing so many interviews, people are like, Oh, are you religious? And I'm like, fuck no, man. No, 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 no. But I guess the spiritual, of course, how could you not be? Like, I, I think of the arrogance of, of people who think they know it all, whether or not they know that there's nothing or they know that there is something. It's like, you don't fucking know. No one knows, man. We're people, we're humans. It's like, we're dumb. We're evolutionarily very immature, clearly. And the concept of God to me is certainly not like a guy with a beard, you know, that scolds you if you've done something wrong. When I think of God, I think of, I saw this great Netflix show the other day on the concept of infinity. Just magnificent because it's just, it's beyond us. It's like, I love the perfection of the idea of the infinite. I love the idea of, again, looking up at the sky and being like, oh, look, it's incredible. It's beautiful. And in the face of that, not the physical face, but in the presence of those massive concepts that we're fortunate to be privy to as humans, we're still killing each other. We're still racist. We're still fucking all this stupid shit that happens in our world. And I'm like, sexist, you know, and, you know, threatening to blow each other up because of power and gas. And it's so fucking stupid. And so when I think of that, I just think we're a bunch of kids in the face of this unbelievably like 
timeless, whether or not, whatever it is, who knows? Is it an illusion? Is it a, an equation? Is it space? Is it like, I don't know. I wish I knew. Actually, I don't wish I knew. I'm happy not knowing. And it's like, when I see all the stuff, you know, with the wars and all this sort of thing, I just think, man, we're a bunch of kids. And we just all want the toys. But the problem with any term other than God is there's too many syllables, and I can't think of anything better. But the problem is, is of course, like God as a concept and as a word just is so loaded with, with people's assumptions and negativities and all this sort of stuff. But I had to put that aside, too, and say, I can't think of a better word, you know? Right on. I love Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, it ends with the lighthouse. And the whole idea is you have to hang on. And it's been such a crazy period. And there's no people that is going to be, you know, not me, not you, not your mom, not your dad, not a political leader, not a spiritual leader, nothing. It's like the light in the lighthouse is something beyond all that. And for me, it could be anything. It's what's important to you. For me, you know, music, my family. Uh, I'm grateful for so many things in my life. And that's what I hang on to. People more clever than I may say that that's naive, but I don't fucking care. And so for me, I, I choose to adhere value to the things in my life that I'm grateful for. And the light in the lighthouse can represent anything that we feel because we were at a point there over the past couple of years and still are that the tendency for each one of us to crash into the rocks is so uh, enormous that I felt it important to focus my mind and my energy on the things in my life that I was grateful for. And again, that's just me. It's not, I'm not saying that what I choose to adhere value for to is of any true value, but it's, I do and I, and it gets me through and that's what this is about. And so the end has got a little girl. Last thing I'll say, I woke up from a dream. I had three more days to deliver the record. And I woke up from a dream where there was a female voice in the wind saying, we won three times. We won, we won, we won. And so I called up, um, I called up Matt and Echo again. I said, could you just sing that at the end? And we'll just put it on at the very end. And it made me feel like through that storm, through the chaos of it all, the fact that not coming through unscarred, but coming through nonetheless, demonstrated a type of resilience that I didn't know a lot of us had, including myself. Right on. That's awesome. I, yeah. I also thought about that ending of the album. And, uh, you know, what's interesting to me that I hit upon with just light work and the lighthouse, the if you took out the serenity of the waves splashing, you see a lighthouse as a symbol when you see the light, when you hear the foghorn alternately because it's peaceful and it reminds you that you're close to home, but it also warns yeah. you of danger. So, again, that kind of duality Totally. Really, uh, you know, was a nice ellipsis for me to end the record, if you will. And well, uh, and I also, I also feel. Thank you. I also feel that the danger of it all is like maybe prior to the pandemic, um, it's easier to convince ourselves of the, you know, the nature of things. But just because things are frightening doesn't mean that you 
have license. Well, you do, I guess. But I didn't feel like just because it's frightening doesn't mean we can run from this. You have to stand. And you have to stand in front of the things that are frightening you. Because otherwise, they will always have power over you, right? But it also requires going back to moon people. Saying, well, what is it that I'm afraid of? Is it confrontation? Is it um, money? Is it success? Is it failure? Like, And then once you've started thinking about that, I know for myself, because the pandemic afforded me the opportunity to think about a lot of those things. Once you start thinking about those things, you think, okay, now that I've looked at these things, and in a lot of cases, looked at a lot of things that were frightening me, you know, my addictive tendencies that would migrate to work or control or anything. It's like at that point, now what do you want? And I think it's really a deceptive question because it's easy to say, oh, what I want is I want, you know, a nice car and a nice house or or whatever. But when you really sit and think about it, once you sort of looked at the things that were unconscious programming on our parts, like what do you want? And a lot of it's just like, I just want to be able to accept it. And I want to be able to know myself to the point where I can accept it without as much judgment, right? And that's a long process, man. And I think that will I get there anytime soon or in this lifetime? I mean, my gut feeling is no. But again, it's like if the Titanic's going down, you still want to hear a tune, right? <laughs> That's it. Um, <laughs> I have nothing better to add to that except thank you because it's a lot to share all that stuff and you know not always common. So thank you very much for humoring that and and uh, your graciousness. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for light work coming out October twenty eighth on Inside Out Music. Another another Devi jam. We're looking forward to it. And uh, once again, you know, thanks for being here and doing what you do. Thanks, buddy. I, I'd be interested to see where it goes next because everything is a reaction to what came before. And this is a pretty, this is a pretty, um, it's a pretty calm one, strangely. So we'll see what happens next because there's something lurking in there that's pretty abstract, I think. But, but we'll do this one first. There we go. Thanks for hanging with Ghost Cult, Debbie. I really appreciate you. You too, buddy. Talk to you. This has been another episode of the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. Check us out at ghostcultmag.com and follow our socials at Ghost Cult Mag. Until the next time, peace. <laughs>